Left, right, and center. And today, although this doesn't happen very often, Schlemmer likes to swan off go to Clint's studio. But uh, Bob Metz is usually here, but Bob's off on assignment today. Jeffrey is here. Nice to have you back again. Thank you. And Lloyd Walker is uh, sitting in for Bob, as Lloyd has done on occasions before. Nice to have you back, too. Uh, with your kind permission, gentlemen, I want to read something here. This was a letter that came in from uh, Joe. And Joe, I hope I didn't make any mistakes in this. Joe wrote this by hand, and uh, I'm not very good at deciphering handwriting, so I did transcribe it on the computer. And Joe, I hope I got it accurate. I, th I think I did, but if there's some small slip, I hope you'll forgive me for that. But I had to, to uh, put it on the computer and type it out so I could read it quickly. Um, this is what Joe had to say. I've listened to your left, right, and center show for several months now, and I find it's getting more and more annoying. Your guest on the right, Mr. Metz, seems to answer every challenge on any topic with some variation of demanding that people take more responsibility for their actions. He seems to think that every problem can be solved by simply pulling up your bootstraps. In theory, I can agree with him, but theory isn't real life. In the real world, not everyone is able to fend for themselves, and capitalism becomes literally the survival of the fittest. But fit for what? Life in the jungle? I would like to hear a discussion on how those who can't defend themselves economically are supposed to survive in the kind of world the right wants. It's easy to talk about canning the unions and letting everyone fend for themselves, but I fail to see how that will lead to anything but the lowest common denominator. As to the argument that a strong economy benefits everyone and will reduce or eliminate poverty, we aren't seeing such reductions now even though the economy is strong. And there's very little evidence that business owners and capitalists care at all about the people who help produce the wealth they hoard. I hope you will entertain a discussion on this topic sometime soon. Now, again, it's perhaps a little unfair, Bob, not being here, but I'm, I think Lloyd's probably up to the task, and I'm, it is my belief that you and Robert uh, share a lot of beliefs on this, uh, on this subject. So if you don't feel it's unfair, I'm going to address it to you two uh, on this. Um, I did a lot of thinking after Joe, because I got this about a week ago. I did a lot of thinking after I got Joe's letter, and I kind of went over in my mind some of the discussions we'd had in the past and some of the, some of the things we'd talked about, some of the things that, uh, that Bob had said, some of the points he'd made, and some of the points that Jeff had made. And I thought, you know, Mr. Wallace does have a certain, uh, there, 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 there is a certain um, uh, appropriateness to his question, I think, because we have many, many times, and it, not just Bob going that way, but Jeff tends to go the other direction, too, and to explain what's, you know, how we're going to deal with a given issue. But this has happened a lot, and there certainly has been a lot, and there's a perception out there, whether it's, whether it's Lloyd Walker or Bob Metz or Bob Wood or Mike Harris or whoever is sort of what we loosely define as the right for the purposes of this program. Um, there is a sense that a lot of those people really do think that ultimately, in the best of all possible worlds, everybody would be totally responsible for every decision they make, and if you make the wrong decision, well, it's your fault, you're responsible, you've got to live with the results, and don't look to me to bail you out. Is that an oversimplification? I don't think it. I don't think it is really. I, th I think that's the fundamental issue of it. Uh, Joe made the comment that that Bob always comes back to people being responsible for their actions. Uh, part of that comes from Bob's belief in individual freedom, because freedom and responsibility, we think, are two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. You can't. Uh, you can't have freedom without responsibility, because what that is is that's license. You can just go do whatever you want, no consequences. Uh, Part of the thing that, uh, and I, I think this is part of capitalism in the economic sense, is that uh, you take an action, you can reap the benefits, but you also suffer the consequences. So responsibility is a very, very key thing, and I think it applies to the vast majority of people. Where Joe seems to diverge from that is he goes into the, what about people who, who can't fend for themselves? And I guess, I guess the question now is, what, what do we call that? Uh, where, 
where do you draw the line of not fending for yourself? Well, I, I, if, I, if I can speak for him, because he's not here. And Joe, if you're listening this morning and want to call, please feel free to do so. But I'm going to speak for him. I think the line is, you know, you, you look out any window and you see the people who haven't made the cut. I mean, they're all around us. The people who can't compete effectively for one reason or another. The people who made bad choices in their lives. Um, some people would say, well, it's your choice. Other people would say through no fault of their own. They didn't know any better. They weren't raised any better. They weren't trained or educated any better. They made mistakes, and now they're further on in their lives at a point where maybe it's too late to remedy those mistakes. Maybe it's too late to go back to school or too late to change your mindset or too late to get out from under the responsibilities of a wife and a family. Well, I, I guess what you're saying there is uh, it's, it's too late to take responsibility. And, and I have a problem when people start saying that. I think it's fine to see someone who says, this person has made mistakes, they need some help. Okay, I'm a, I'm a believer in charity, I believe in helping other people out, and I know you do. And I think that's part, part of the problem there is this impression that the right is not caring. Mm -hmm. The people on the right who say you have to take responsibility for your own actions simply say, okay, you made a bad decision, Okay, lie in the street and starve. We'll just ignore you. And I don't think that's the case with the vast majority of people. I have a much higher opinion of the, of the populace than that, that we will reach out and help people freely. And we'll do that through our own choice. We don't have to have someone say, like, I always find the, the left premise of government is that uh, we're all mean, nasty, rotten people. And if someone doesn't force us to help other people, well, we won't do it. And I simply don't think that's the case. Jeff, don't be afraid to jump in here. Uh, well, I guess... Uh, it's good to hear that we don't have people lying on the street. Uh, so far, most of the of the direction, I guess, has been uh, in relation to where, where Lloyd comes from. But uh, um, generally, first of all, I, I tend to agree with uh, with what uh, Joe. Written. Joe has said on most of these points, and and I think there are these problems. And the question is, um, how far do you push pure capitalism? Because ultimately taken to its limit, people will die in the street. That's that's how it would end up. Because the fact is that some people are better able to fend for themselves than others. Um, and I think that, uh, that the big difference between the, the approach of the right and the left, perhaps, in this respect is a question of whether uh, it's best to have a society where um, whether where people act as individuals and where where they see a particular interest in in a particular point, they decide to work with somebody else, or whether we're better off with a society that tends to be communal or, or a community uh, uh, approach, where generally you'll try to work together with other people. You'll have individual privacy in relation to things, but that your broad thrust is that you, we're going to get further ahead as a society working together. And I worry about the marginalism. You know, I was thinking uh, thinking this this morning. I mentioned to Lloyd before we went on that I, I look at. Uh, what happened in the states yesterday and think you know there are these these people who somehow get off on the margins and as lloyd points out it's not an economic issue down there uh, but somehow uh, people get off the rails well we don't know yet though we should be careful because we don't know the details of what happened yeah, to these fair kids, enough. So. okay but but uh for my it, i think you know it, you don't tend to hear about sort of billionaires going off and uh, and blowing away a bunch of people and then killing themselves you don't hear about uh, about people who who are successful in in the society that we have it, it's people who for one reason or another perceive themselves as unsuccessful for whatever reason but are they are they are they uh, I'm going to go way out just in the interest of simplification here but are they nuts because they're not successful or are they not successful because they're nuts well i guess from my end of it I, what i'd like to do is avoid them <laughs> avoid it playing out regardless of which it is because I don't know uh, and uh, that's that's part of the thing broadly what I, what I guess I tend to look at is sort of as a society 
what would an ideal society look like? Would it tend to be one where we have this sort of uh, huge disparity between people who, who are successful and people who aren't successful? Or is it going to be a healthier society by and large if you have a, a smaller disparity and people that don't perceive themselves as being dramatically different? You've talked about Cuba, for instance, where, where everybody's poor. Mm -hmm. And there seems to be less sort of social unhappiness. Uh, and again, I don't know if you can make the jump to say that... Uh, You're not proposing that as a solution, are you? Uh, well, I, I guess what I would suggest is that uh, Canada is a lot wealthier country than Cuba is. And, uh, but so it, just it seems to be poor? the case to me... Well, a question of how less poor. I guess Bill, Gra Bill Gates is less poor than uh, than somebody who may come down the road. But there is an example, and I, I hate to always come back to Cuba because people have accused me of being uh, obsessed with the country, but there is a case to be made there. There was an example where they had unfettered capitalism prior to, to Castro. And I, I'm no fan of communism, and I'm no fan of, I mean, I think they could live a lot better today by modifying their political beliefs in that country. But they had an example of totally unfettered capitalism in the heyday of, you know, the 1930s and 40s and 50s, America was booming, everything was great. Cuba was, the, at that point, the 49th state, effectively. Um, and what happened? As Jeff said, you literally had people dying in the streets. You had people who could not get medical care. I talked to one fellow when I was there, when he was a little boy, he's older than I am. When he was a little boy, he told me in his village, if somebody got sick, you brought the, the medicine, the, uh, the Santeria guy came around, the medicine man, kind of. If he couldn't fix them, in some communities there would be a, an older woman who had similar, you know, herbs and spices and so on and, and incantations. If that didn't work, you put them on the back of a burrow and you hiked off to the nearest city. And you hoped two things. One, that they didn't die before you got there. And two, that you could prevail upon some doctor to, to show a little mercy on you and take a look at this sick person, which often they wouldn't do or couldn't do. And they died in the streets outside the hospitals. Now, I'm, I'm not trying to suggest that that's the best example of capitalism and that that's automatically going to happen. But, but to my mind, there is, you know, to me, that's a very real situation. Here's a place where there are virtually no economic constraints on, on, on capitalism at all. The guys with the money made all the rules, did whatever they wanted to do. Um, people worked for, sure, they negotiated a wage, but if you didn't want to work for a dollar, this guy'd work for 50 cents, so we give him 50 cents. This guy'd work for 25 cents, even though he couldn't live on it, but it was better than nothing at all, so he'd work for 25 cents. Now, how do you answer, how does that capitalism fit in with the kind of capitalism that you'd like to see, Lloyd? Or how would you change, how would your picture change? Well, I think part of it is, I think we live in a society that uh, I think is much more caring. Uh, there, there are a great many things that were done under the banner of capitalism that were, in actual fact, were people who took advantage of, shall we say, government license, mm -hmm. who managed to secure a great deal of money. Uh, mm -hmm. Take a look at the United States as it grew, mm -hmm. or even CPR. How much of the money for CPR came out of the taxpayer's yeah. pocket? Yeah. You know, a lot of money was raised simply by virtue of, uh, of let's get the government to put us in a position where we can make the rules, as you said. Mm -hmm. And that's not the job of government either. I'm not in favor of a government that is, quote, pro-business, mm -hmm. as in passes legislation that favors business. I, I, don't, think, I don't think that's the, the role of government. The role of government is to treat everyone equally. So I, I think in that sense, it, it's an example of what happened with capitalism, and it can happen. But I think that's where a good government steps in and says, no, this is not, this is not capitalism. This is... Uh, this is a uh, so what's a, what's a good system. government what, what would a good government have done there what would a government have done there that Jeff wouldn't want them to do well I think the government has to, that Jeff wouldn't want them I don't think the government has to go in and say okay you Jim have this business and we've given you all this power and you're now using it in a way that we don't like so what we're going to do is we're going to set up a social welfare state 
so that we can, in effect, subsidize you again mm -hmm. for your irresponsibility. Yeah, you but know, that's for, for cold, your actions. That's cold comfort to that kid who died in the street in front of the hospital, isn't it? That kid who, by the way, gets excellent health care under the communist system, whatever you think of the system, probably the best health care in Central America. Yeah, but you're, you're asking, okay, what, what the answer is, and the answer does not happen overnight. You're absolutely right. If a system has gone awry, and if you had bad government that uh, allows the system to go bad, it takes time to get it back. I think that's exactly the problem we face in Ontario. Okay. Let's go to the phones now where Scott's been waiting. Hi, Scott. Good morning. How are you this morning? Fine, thank you. That's good. I just, a uh, little bit of information, Jim. I was listening to, I was at a customer's house, and we were just watching a bit of the news on the TV, and a little bit of contradiction to what was just stated a few minutes ago there, in that and it wasn't Dylan, it was the other young man yes. that was involved in this uh, situation. The, uh, the, the high school student who was a senior at the school, they interviewed him, and he was saying that this young man comes from a very well-to-do family, very, very well-respected within that community. Yeah. So it was, uh, I was a little surprised to hear that, and in that I would tend to lean the other way as well, but in this particular situation, it's totally hot. Well, that's why I suggest that we need to be very careful until exactly. we have all the information. Yeah, because yeah, you yeah. can't, uh, the facts have to all be in before we can make uh, judgments as they were. Exactly. Did you want to comment on this, Scott? On what's that? What we're talking about today. Oh, well, no, actually, just, well, basically, that's what I, okay. I wasn't oh. listening. I was on hold there for a few minutes and talking to Ryan, so I didn't hear everything okay. that was well, just I, being said now. I appreciate your call to bring us up to speed on that other story. Thanks very much. Have a good day. Take care. Bye-bye. Rob's up. Hi, Rob. Good morning. Um, you made a comment before about somebody willing to work for a lower wage and therefore drive down the prices that people can make for the jobs that they're doing. Mm -hmm. What if somebody were to come along and offer to do the job that you do for half the price that you do it for? Obviously, the person that you work for values the quality of work that you do. Yeah, but I, this argument's been raised before, and with all due respect, Rob, it's a specious argument, because we're not talking about people in a specific situation with a specific skill set. We're talking about people who are going to come and cut your grass or dig, chop your sugar, your sugar cane or work one end of a shovel. It's a job that, with all due respect to people who do it, does not require much skill, does not require much experience. Those are the kinds of jobs where that that reality seems to, at least people think that's, that would be the reality. But I'll tell you, if somebody came to my boss and said, and brought with him the kind of audience that I have, the kind of following that I have in this community, and the skill set that I have, and said, I'll do the job for half of what Chapman's getting, you bet your ass I'd be out of here. Now, I'm lucky in that that individual probably isn't out there in this community in terms of the audience that I have and what I've built up over the years. Because you've been doing this for a while, so exactly. you have a reputation in the community. Exactly. exactly. And the way that you do your show obviously exactly. gets listeners, it's a highly rated show, so therefore that's the value that you trade off for the price that you make. Right, and, and that's, my, that's my protection, but I do have that protection. The comments I made earlier, and I think the comments Joe made, is that very few people do have that protection. Because their jobs don't... It's, it's a concept of it's easy to train somebody else to do these kinds of jobs. Exactly. So exactly. Here, which guy? Which of you guys wants the shovel? It makes no difference to me because either one of you can dig me a hole. You know, that's where that, or at least that's where that argument der der derives from. The argument, well, I'll do it for fifty cents. I'll do it for forty. I'll do it for thirty. I'll do it for twenty. And 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 there are people who believe that that's perfectly legitimate. And if you can get it down to ten cents an hour, so much the better. Good for you. And but when you're looking at the jobs that you're talking about, for example, cutting the grass or 
something along those lines. Mm -hmm. You're also looking at somebody that it's not just whether you can do the job, it's whether you can do it well, it's whether you can show up regularly, it's whether yeah, you, can, do you, know you can do the job and deal with your coworkers yeah, properly. I mean, there's I, a lot yeah, of sub-references that come into it. There the are, time. Rob. You're absolutely right. There are a lot of them. But when you get right down to the bottom line on an, on an unskilled or semi-skilled job, that stuff is not taken into account very often, even by employers in our society. I've seen that, too. You know, I mean, that they hire the first warm body that comes through the door that looks like they can do the job because they haven't got time to waste doing anything else. I appreciate the time, Jim. Thanks for the call today, thank Rob. You. Good to hear from you. And Gord joins us. Hi, Gord. How you doing, sir? Fine, thank you. Yeah, I just start off saying like, I like a balance. Like, I won't be hypocrite about it. I realize the market system and capitalist system has provided me with a great living, and mm -hmm. I you know, appreciate living in one of the best countries in the world. Mm -hmm. That said, um, I also want to say, like, like lots of times... It seems like the right is, is hypocritical in a sense. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you know, they say, and I'm all for it. Let the rich, you know, get as rich as they want and all that. It's just when the little guy starts to, you know, organize, wants more or something like that, they say, oh, well, you can't, aff can't afford it, you know. And uh, mm -hmm. it seems hypocritical in that sense. Mm -hmm. And uh, also I was watching David Suzuki the other day and on cable cast. He was at Kane Club. And, he, and one of the questions he asked about economics, see, when they be when they discuss economics, they never take into account, like, humanity. And, like, he's saying, he raised his hand and says, where's the ozone in this economic equation? Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. And also, like, stuff like the diversity of, of uh, products and, and stuff like that. And, yeah. uh, and, what, and, like, according to capitalism, that, that's okay, it seems like. You know, well, let's, like, ask, let's, stopping ask, that. let's ask Lloyd about that. Is that okay? Is it okay to sell junk food? Yeah, for your kids to eat junk food and for to live in a polluted environment? It's, it's okay to sell junk food. It's your decision whether you buy it or not. That, again, is personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. Is it okay to live in a polluted environment? No, the people who cause that pollution are responsible to clean it up. That, that's one of the issues I have is that uh, uh, with, with the environmental issue, for, for instance, it's not a... Uh, a responsibility issue it's a government issue it's we're all responsible for cleaning up the environment well that's that's true only on a very minor degree but if somebody is dumping toxic waste they're responsible they're there's, the a, ones. there's an economic argument that's sometimes made that that it really is down to the individual that if we don't want to live in a polluted environment we will move to a non-polluted environment and we will be willing to pay more money for that so that that it does become an economic argument that i don't want to live in london where i can live for x number of dollars because the, the air quality is is crappy so i'm going to move to somewhere else where the air quality is better even though it's going to cost me money economically it's going to be a detriment to me but i'm willing to pay so here's where the economics right i will pay for clean air on that on that level, yes, it is. But what I'm saying about if you have a polluted environment and someone is polluting it, I say you go back to the person that is polluting, and that's got to be where you start. Gord, last word to you. Well, I also say not only if I'm living in a great country because of you know the market system that, but also because of the social programs as well that mm -hmm. has contributed to the economy with a smart uh, consumer base and educated and healthy people. Mm -hmm. I think that. Our economy has grown because of that as well. Right, thank you for the call today. Thank Take you, care. sir. Bye-bye. We're going to pause for a moment. We've got some important messages coming your way, and we will continue this edition of Left, Right, and Center with our guests Lloyd Walker and Jeff Schlemmer, and I'm Jim Chapman. We're going to get left Jeff to say something in this next half hour. <laughs> you stay with us. Lots more to come on 1290 CJBK. 643-1290, star 1290 on the Cantel. Lloyd Walker is with us, uh, sitting in for Bob Metz. Jeff Schlemmer is here as well. And lines are open at 643-1290, star 1290 on the Cantel. If you're just joining us, we've been discussing this letter I got from Joe Wallace. And, and I want to reiterate, anytime there's a topic that you'd like to hear discussed on Talk of the Town or any part of Talk of the Town, please feel free to let me know. 
And uh, I don't want to say, how often do we do this? Uh, I don't know, 80%, 90% of the ideas we get actually do get onto the air. So don't ever hesitate. And I thank Joe for sending this in. He was concerned about, uh, and, and I'll just reiterate this for those of you who may be joining us. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But he said, your guest on the right, Mr. Metz, seems to answer every challenge on any topic with some variation of demanding that people take more responsibility for their actions. In theory, I can agree with him, but theory isn't real life. In the real world, not everyone is able to fend for themselves, and capitalism becomes literally the survival of the fittest. But fit for what? Life in the jungle. So that's where we are. Now, Jeffrey, say something. Okay, well, let me go back to uh, first principles here that uh, I think part of the concern that Joe expressed was if you have a, a free market system, a capitalist system, what do you do with the people who will inevitably be marginalized? Mm -hmm. By definition, if you have a society that, that praises winners, that rewards winners, encourages winners, and for some good reasons, you want to motivate winners, there will be people left behind, and what do you do with those people? And I think that the, uh, as Lloyd had said, the, the what we hear from the right is that, well, that's what private charity is for. And part of my concern in relation to that, there are a couple of them, but one of them is that uh, when I hear that, I think of two things. I think either people on the right would intend to give as much to private charity as they're giving to taxes right now to look after these people, in which case I say, well, in that case, what difference does it make to you? Uh, or alternatively, what they're saying in the, the hidden message is, if we cut taxes, you know, and we're not going to fund these in, in private social programs, effectively it'll be the do-gooders who end up looking after the private charities to look after these people. In other words, that they intend to, 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 uh, to not contribute as much back into charities as they're saving from taxes. But isn't there an argument to be made that if that's what the do-gooders want to do, then that's their role, and if you don't want to be a do-gooder, that's your choice. Well, to me, that comes back to, uh, to the question of responsibility again, and whether there is such a thing as responsibility for your community, or whether, uh, whether responsibility simply means yourself only, you're the only person on the planet, and you're not responsible for anything beyond that. I would argue, again, that uh, responsibility means more than simply uh, looking after your own house, making sure that your own car works, that responsibility also should extend to your community. And I think that, again, is part of a healthy community. Uh, so, so do you disagree with that? Boy? I do. I, I think that Jeff is uh, kind of blurring a line between responsibility, as in, you know, you have an obligation to take care of yourself, take responsibility for what you do, versus caring, which I think is the issue, and that's, uh, and that's that if you do care about other people and you want to help them, yes, do it. But what if you don't? Great if you don't care, do you have do no you responsibility? I have only, I don't think you have a responsibility. I have, in 14 years doing this, met one person who said, I don't care about that. Uh, talking about the debt, for instance, yeah. you know, the debt being left to our yeah. children. His answer was, I'll be dead before it comes to you. But I'll give don't you, care. I'll give one you, person. But I'll give you an example where there's lots of people who don't care. And I'm not throwing stones at anybody here, but the hard, cold reality is there are people in this country who are incredibly wealthy, who could live a full, rich, rewarding life, have everything they want out of life on a, on a tenth or a twentieth or a fiftieth of the amount of money they have or control, mm -hmm. and they hang on to all of it. Now, they have every right to do that, and I'm not suggesting they shouldn't do that. All I'm saying is I believe that society is rife with examples who give lip service to caring about other people. And, oh, sure, I'll give you a check for $1,000 or $10,000 or $20,000 or I'll support this or I'll support that. But ultimately, it's not impacting my yacht or my six cars or my three houses or my 26 trips south every winter. It's not impacting any of that stuff, nor will it ever impact it because I won't allow it to do so. 
Now, there are, you know and I know, there, this society is full of people like that. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm simply saying that that's the reality. Well, I, I guess my question to you on that is, you made the comment that they have all this money, but yeah, they give money to charity and they mm -hmm. help out like that. Mm -hmm. Okay, I guess the question is now, how much do they have to give? I'm not saying they have to give well, anything. But that's implicit in this. It, it's, it's the implicit argument that you must. Now, I, I, I will agree, I think you should. I think there's a lot of things helping out people. Yeah. I think that's wonderful to work mm -hmm. in your community and do that. I do things in the community myself, and yeah, I give to charity mm -hmm. and, and try to help out that way. Jeff said, what does it matter if you give it to government or to a charity? I would much rather give it to a local charity that I know what they're doing with it than put it into the sinkhole that we call government. I was a little surprised to hear you say that, Jeffrey, because you, 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 get, you get funded by the government. You know how much money gets lost and wasted along the way. But again, I, I, I would argue that there are similar restrictions on private charities, that they have the same kinds of problems when it comes to inefficiency. And I can't remember how many years ago it was that uh, the Shriners ran into a big problem with that, where uh, mm -hmm. it was suggested that a, that a startlingly large part of the money that was donated to the Shriners, this was many years ago, never made it into the hospital. Yeah, but that, that got fixed in a hurry, and I'll tell you why because it got fixed, because people quit giving the money. You can't quit paying your taxes. You've got it. Oh, well, you can vote out the government, though, and vote in a government who says we're going to do something. If, if there was, and I've said this before, if there was ever a government that theoretically is supposed to be dedicated to making government as efficient as private business, theoretically we have got, got it right now. Um, my problem, again, is this question of should versus must. I don't see any difference between the two, and I see a lot of our laws in society mirroring our morality. You don't see any difference between should and must? I, no, not in my I, mind. Can I explain it? Uh, well, please sure. do, because I'd like to know. Because, uh, should. I think it's a good idea that you help charity, Jeff. I think that's wonderful. Now, I put a gun to your head and say, get out your wallet. I think that's the difference between should and must. I've never seen a gun in my head in Canada. Well, what I have seen, though, is that your governments who I elect, governments who I vote for, tell me that we've passed a law that mirrors our morality. Under our morality, we've decided that poor people in, in, uh, in Canada, or poor children in Canada, shouldn't starve. It's an, it's an embarrassment around the world, the, 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 uh, the ranking that we have compared to industrialized countries. Collectively, we've decided to elect a government who says, we don't think that's a good thing. We want to do something about it. And yeah, we're not going to say, and you can do something about it or not, depending on whether you feel like it or not. If you're, uh, if you're uh, uh, Michael Cowpland and you've got uh, your own Corel, you know, we're going to say, well, I'm sorry, but a, a fair chunk of that money is going to come back to looking after poor children. You can go out and buy a million-dollar cat suit for your wife if you want to, but the fact is we're not confident that you're going to contribute back. The should isn't going to work on you, and there's no reason why you should get away with that and make the, the, the do-gooders bear, bear all the uh, costs of trying to do the things that you should be doing. Let's say from my end of it, I, I don't see a difference between those two. And if it was the case that I believed that we would have charities that had the same degree of funding as our tax system uh, has, I wouldn't have a problem with that. My problem is that I just don't believe that that will ever happen. And in fact, what we've seen is that as taxes have come down, charitable donations have not gone up. In this but if province. it won't happen, then why, why should we force people to do something that's obviously against human nature then? Well, again, it's a question of, of do we want to strive to have a society that's a healthy society or do we just let her go and say, well, whatever, whatever comes, we're going to have gambling casinos or be our sole source of income. You know, the government seems to have taken a page from, uh, from uh, the mafia, as far as I can, t can tell. They go along from one thing to another. Next, we'll have of, uh, prostitution, who knows where it's going to end up. We seem to have this sort of race for the bottom as far as licentiousness and the idea that there's no such thing as morality, that ba basically whatever you want to do is okay, you know, and if you don't want to contribute or help out in a community that needs help, that's okay, that's your individual
all right, because chances are some other do-gooder is going to look after it anyway. If you want to slough off your responsibilities and not be a responsible citizen, that's okay. You know, you should take all your, the money you're saving on taxes and go out and buy big screen TVs and so on. That's a dream society for some people, but not for me. I think that we'd have a much better society if we have people working together and saying, look, there's tons of wealth to go around here. You, everybody in Canada could have a wonderful life with the wealth that we but have. But how are you going to ever, and I'm not speaking for the right here, I'm just speaking for me because I'm confused, how are you ever going to have, how are you ever going to find out whether people will do that when they are so constrained by the tax system we have. Well, we're no more constrained by it now than we were 10 years ago. In fact, we've had a 30% reduction in provincial taxes over the last two years. What we've seen is, I, maybe maybe this is too short a time frame to see whether it's going to happen, but again, taxes have gone down significantly. Charitable donations have not gone up. Yeah, but take-home pay has not gone up At the same time, corporate taxes have gone down dramatically in the last 20 years in Canada, and the, and the, the model is the United States where corporate taxes are lower, but the fact is that charitable donations by corporations in the United States are way, way, way higher uh, per company or per dollar uh, of corporate revenue than they are in Canada. And We've tried it; it just doesn't work. What is the reason? I think the reason for that is that many Canadians uh, take the take the opinion that the government takes my money and does this. So why on earth do I have to reach in my pocket and hand out again? So my tax they, they, they that's charity. I, I think basically people feel that they've already donated. I didn't do it at the office; I did it through taxes. And uh, what I'd like to see. You want to take a first step? Okay, let's give people a dollar-for-dollar reduction on their taxes for charitable donations. That's fine with me. But again, what we've already got is a 30% reduction. We're not seeing that increase. Now, if it, yeah, if it comes, if it happens, that's fine. That was a tax shuffle. Well, yeah, yeah, but there was Mike Harris said, this is money in my pocket. He's got all these jars of loonies. There was a report. I, I don't <laughs> believe everything Mike Harris says either. There was a report just the other day where some economists were suggesting that, uh, that uh, there should be no deductions for charitable donations. Like there's a percentage now. They said there should be no. No wonder well, they call economics the dismal science, I tell you. Ain't that the truth. 643-1290 is the telephone number. Gord's on the phone. Hi. Hi, Gord. Uh, good day. Uh, I guess what I'd like to start out to say would be that uh, due to capitalism, I would say that in the last hundred years, uh, living standards have gone through the roof. For some people. No, for everyone in Canada. Everyone. Uh, let's see, how many of them have electricity, telephones, VCRs, cars, um, all the inventions of the modern age. But you, you see any bit downside of capitalism, though? Has there been any? The, the downside of capitalism is that some people may not be helped. That's the worst you can think of. Let's see. The worst side of a total state would be what? Concentration camps, firing squads, the gulag? Well, nobody's suggesting that we should go that far, I guess. But No, uh, no, I'm not saying that. But we haven't gone that far with capitalism, and we don't know that people won't help either. So uh, how you can say the inevitable result of pure capitalism would, would be that nobody would be helped is ridiculous. We've never seen pure capitalism, I, I guess. Uh, no, but we've seen the pure state. My understanding is that uh, over the last century, we've seen a lot of laws brought in to rein in companies who have chosen not to clean up their ways, to have chosen to do other bad things. If we hadn't brought in those laws, if we hadn't reined them in, where do you think we'd be but now? But that's responsibility, Jim. That's who's going to enforce them accountable it? for their actions. Well, if you're polluting, you, you, you clean it up. So you're supporting government intervention to force them to do those kinds of things? I support any law that if you or your company violate the rights of other people by dumping pollution on their land, then yes, the government should step in. The government is that. It's the arbiter between us. That's, that's its main role, I think, is for it to sit in there and say, wait a second, Jeff, you're dumping garbage on Lloyd's lawn. Jeff, you've got to clean it up. 
That was also the yeah. traditional view of government. Uh, yeah, that the may be the role view. of government. Yeah, that's right. And you're right. A hundred years ago, that was where government was. And uh, in that sense, I suppose one can argue that government like, acts yeah. as like the umpire to to preserve capitalism, ensure it's not perverted by people who who won't play by the rules. Well, yeah. it's also there to ensure that uh, thugs don't get into power and start shooting people. But part of the concern that I have is this question of disparity and whether ultimately that's going to breed a resentment in in a class of society that's that's sufficient that we're going to end up with 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 the violence that seems to accompany it with uh, with sort of the the social unwellness. Uh, you know, people talk. But about that hasn't happened. We've had a, a dramatic increase in living standards. Again, we're talking. No, but it's not a question of living standards. You say that people all have phones now, so they should all be happy for what they've got and not mind the fact that uh, Bill Gates has got his uh, $50 billion or whatever it's up to. Yeah, but to that shows year. you that there's not a disparity of wealth. That shows you that, that wealth is uh, distributed based on the ability of people to work. Well, again, and that's what we're saying. For the people who aren't Bill Gates, for the people who have no uh, ability to work a computer at all, uh, should they be happy with the fact that they live in a place that where the roof maybe doesn't leak and they have a telephone, but they can never go on vacation, uh, they can never have a new car, they can't have all these things? Will they resent yeah, that? And if they do... from the caves. Give me a break. If, well, again, so <laughs> what I am hearing is that they should be thrilled because they've done so well in the last century, and yet... Yeah, but if we didn't have the capitalism that enabled them to at least have that, we'd still be in the caves, because, in my opinion, your kind of tribalist viewpoint would still leave us there. Well, I guess if we all sat around doing nothing, but most of us are, are sort of energetic and go out and do things. I believe there are governments around the world that have not been capitalists over the last century, and they have telephones in their houses and so on as well. But, but, but yeah, what but I'm trying to get to, though, what I'm trying to get to is country. this question of whether there's a resentment if some people are shooting ahead at an astronomically greater rate of acquisition than other people, and whether that will cause resentment. And you may say, well, that's tough luck. You know, uh, those people have no reason to be resentful because they've got telephones and they've got a, a house to live in. No, no, that's not my point at all. My point was that your uh, contention that the rich get richer and the poor get poorer is a total lie. But there's another. No, no, I think that we've had study and study of after study in the last decade to show that that's what's happening. But there's another. Yeah, that's good there's, an, there's another element here. There's another element that I want to inject, and that is that Jeffrey, you're talking about. You know, what if these people feel resentful? And yet, a few minutes ago, you were talking about. Uh, about the need for us to to kind of rise above our negative instincts, shall we say? Well, one of our definitely one of our negative instincts, and it's dealt with in virtually every religion that I'm aware of, is that you should not covet what your neighbor has. You should not be jealous of what your neighbor has. I'm not saying has. whether people should resent it or not. I'm saying if they do resent it, will that be an unhealthy thing for our society? You know, we can sit resentment. back and say tough luck. If you resent it, then that's tough luck. And if you choose to do anything to, about it, then we'll throw you in jail in a heartbeat. And certainly, we've got more people in jail now than we've ever had in our history. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know, that's the route that we've been taking. Crimes going. Down, is that a good why. thing? <laughs> I think it's the aging population. If, you and I don't go out and break into houses anymore. But if you, <laughs> oh, <laughs> anymore. Okay. I, folks, I just want you to know I exclude myself from that. I don't know what Jeff's been doing, but uh, it wasn't me. Uh, Gord, I appreciate your call, sir. We okay, have to leave there. Thank you. We have to pause for just a second. We'll be back to take more of your calls and explore more of Jeff's uh, strange criminal history right after this. Howard is with us on uh, Talk of the Town on Left Brain Center. Good morning, Howard. Oh, good morning. Yes, sir. Um, I think this... Um, an element of truth in, in both sides of the argument about left and right. Mm -hmm. I don't think uh, you can really, and, and a lot of it is uh, just based on pure theory or textbook uh, examples of uh, capitalism or free enterprise or socialism. It's uh, they're arguing about the textbook uh, theories. But um, what I wanted to say was that uh, uh, Canada's always compared unfavorably with the U.S. because of the lower 
tax rate in the U.S. Yeah. But when you look at the U.S. at their debt, over a trillion bucks, I say that the government hasn't been charging enough tax over there to balance their mm-hmm. books every year, and that's how you how you have accumulated this. Yeah, but we, trading in a half uh, debt. Yeah, but we have a proportionately higher per capita debt here than the United States. We owe more per person. Well, I don't know whether that's a, a way to think about it, because uh, according to that theory, then China should... No, no, but you, you used the example and said the reason that they don't pay as much taxes is because they borrowed more. Well, in fact, that's not true. They haven't borrowed more. They've borrowed less than we have per capita. Well, and I don't know whether this per capita thing is uh, a way to go, because... Well, how else uh, do you do it? Well, uh, I'm trying to explain that if you use that theory, then China should be able to uh, borrow maybe $20 trillion and still be more economically sound than the well, U.S. It's not a question of being able to, China couldn't borrow the money is the point. I guess I may, maybe I'm missing what you're trying to tell me here, Howard. I, I'm just saying I don't think the per capita is the... Uh, well, it's the only way. It's the only way. If you're comparing Canada, remember, China's got nothing to do with it. If you're comparing Canada, oh well, yeah, and the United States, you're, ta- you're talking about population. No, no. If you're comparing Canada to the United States, you say the Americans have lower taxes because they borrowed more money. So they I didn't, didn't have say borrowed. I said they didn't uh, collect enough taxes each year to balance their budget. Yeah, so they had to borrow money to balance it, right? Well, it's or, or, to, or to pay it. Yeah. So, but all I'm saying is that if that's your argument, that because they borrowed this money, that's why their taxes are lower then our taxes should be even lower than theirs because we borrowed more per individual than they did. So our ta- if, if your theory is right, our taxes should be lower than theirs, not higher. No, I can't see that. Well, that, uh, I can't I, help you there. Well, uh, it's just like a uh, business. Uh, you have to... Uh you have to balance their books every year, and the oh, yeah. states yeah. are sort of flying right high, high right now yeah. because got... of the low interest rates. But oh, you watch their debt go up if the uh, interest rate. Well, ours would, too. Oh, yeah, we both will. Howard, appreciate your call, sir. Good to hear from you. We have to pause for a second. We'll be back to wrap up this edition of Left, Right, and Center. This is uh, Left, Right, and Center. Lloyd Walker sitting in for uh, Bob Metz, who's off today, making a presentation, I believe, and Jeff Schlemmer is here um, for a change. And... Uh, I'm just That's a dig. It's always, no, it's, always, <laughs> it's always nice to have Jeff. I have here. to tell you, I have not broken into a house either. <laughs> <laughs> you want to make that point, then, Ace? That was uh, that was just a uh, just so a, a passing you comment. Didn't say, yeah, but okay. you would defend Jim if he did. Yeah. <laughs> we have been talking this morning uh, with reference to this letter from Joe Wallace, who was uh, talking about the the rights attitude towards capitalism, and I want to come back to that just for a minute. Jeff, you made the comment some time ago uh, that on this program t- today that uh, ultimately in capitalism that you believe that we would see people dying in the streets, that unfettered capitalism ultimately would lead to that. I just want to, because you also said you broke into houses and now you say you do that. <laughs> do you stand by that statement that ultimately that you think that is what would happen? Well, under my understanding of what capitalism is, that uh, the objective is to, is to acquire capital, to, to gain as much uh, wealth as you can. And uh, I am constantly told that, uh, that the reason that corporations ha- have no role in society and trying to make society a better place is because their responsibility is for shareholder value. That that's the only reason that corporations exist. That is to provide as much return on investment to shareholders as they can. And uh, that, that's the law of the jungle. That's how it all works uh, as, far as, I'm, as far as I understand it. And that although you have corporations who will make gestures, in some cases because, because of uh, a genuine feeling that they should contribute to their communities, often 
unfortunately, I think the gestures are, are tainted by the sense that they're doing it for the publicity. They're doing it to try and look good. But that at, at root, again, uh, my understanding of pure capitalism is that the objective is to gain stuff. And it's like that uh, bumper sticker about uh, the, uh, the one who has the most toys at the end uh, of the game is the winner. Uh, that that's what capitalism is all about. And there isn't really any aspect of capitalism um, that comes back to morality or comes back to spirituality or any of those kinds of things. Those things are all things that temper pure capitalism, I think. Okay, now Lloyd, I want to I direct a slightly different version of that question to you. What's to prevent those people from dying in the streets? You, you talked well, about should, but should is not, should is not absolutely. must. Absolutely, and, and I'm, I'm concerned with what, what Jeff was saying. First off, for a couple of reasons. Capitalism is an economic system. Okay, I, I don't think... I view capitalism as the economic system that will sustain a free society. The free society is where your moral judgments and all those decisions and the, that working together and that spirit comes in. It is through the choice of people. And, you know, Jeff has said it would be really good if we worked together. Absolutely. But I think it's really good if people who voluntarily come together work together. I don't think you force someone but to join. But what if they don't? So What if they don't do that? Well, and, and, and this is the situation. There are lots of people like Jeff who... Jeff honestly cares about people, and he, and he defends it that way. He thinks the way to do it is through government. I think the way to do it is, is privately. I, I'm concerned when Jeff says, yeah, we would have people dying in the streets, because I'm concerned that that means Jeff feels that the people that on the left that say that we as a society must help these people, they wouldn't even do it to help them. And that, that concerns me, because I think people on the right and the left would both come together and do that. How do they die, that how do they the die in the street? If you're a good guy and all your pals are good guys, how do they die in the streets? <laughs> there aren't enough of us to go around, but, uh, and, and I'm not such a good guy. That's another but story. There are, there but there are uh, lots of good people. That, that's, that's what disturbs me is the left's premise is we're all mean and nasty and the government has to force us well, to Well, fundamentally, the first thing is wrong. I've never suggested let, that uh, pure socialism is a way to go either, that I, I think the candidate does, as one of the callers uh, suggested, have a great system because of the balance between the two. I think that human nature recognizes that there has to be an incentive to really go out and extend yourself and work hard, and I'm glad we have that. I think that that's effective and that where we've seen states try... Uh, communism, uh, they found it just that you lose all the incentive to go out and work. Because the argument here, by chance, in our country, not beyond our country, it occurs to me that part of the argument may be that we have an inefficient government. That if, if our tax rate, because I don't think anybody believes, and I certainly don't believe that all the taxes we pay are going to, to fund these lavish social programs cradle to grave coast to coast. I mean, we know a lot of that money is being frittered away in all kinds of stupid, foolish, nonsensical things. Do you think our discussion today would have a different tenor if all three of us sitting here were confident that the money we did give to the government was being used wisely? Do you think, do you think we might feel differently about the various positions that we've staked out? Well, it certainly make me happier. The, the problem that I, I have right now is that uh, we've become conscious of a lot of the government waste. Uh, the problem is that in some respects the cure is as bad as the disease and that now we have all this accountability which, which seems to require all kinds of extra paperwork and all kinds of extra auditors and all that stuff, which again is a dead loss as far as cost. I'd love to see an efficient government. Now, whether it would change the, the uh, indiv individual uh, freedom aspect of it, I don't think so from your perspective, Lloyd. No, I, I don't, don't think that would change. I think what you'd find is... Uh, there'd maybe be fewer people on the right wing who are saying, I don't trust the way government can handle my money. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I don't think that efficiency is the answer. I think that uh, putting people in control and not centralizing the power there and let us help one another because I think we will. Gentlemen, I thank you for what I found a very enlightening discussion today. And, and my thanks again to... Uh 
to Joe Wallace for sending his letter along. Joe, I hope I got it right. I mentioned that he had handwritten it. Anytime you can type it or, or put it on a computer, folks, it's easier for me to read. But uh, if, if uh, writing is what you've got it to, at hand, if you pardon the pun, uh, that's okay, too. And we'll try to decipher it and get it on. But thanks to Joe. And a reminder to anyone, if there's a topic you'd like to have discussed on left, right, and center or any part of our programming here, please let me know. Drop me a line or mail it or fax it or, or email or any of those good things, and we'll be happy to, to, uh, to accommodate you. And I said uh, before, I think 80 or 90% of the suggestions we get in across the board for the various shows that we do get on the air. We don't get very many of them, but uh, perhaps we'll, uh, maybe Joe started something here, so we encourage you. If there's a topic or a specific news story or something you'd like to have us cover, please never hesitate to let us know, because that's what we're here for. Uh, Jeffrey, you're away next week, so will there be a surrogate in? Yes, I don't know who yet, but you will. Have okay, and Deloitte, I thank you very much for coming in and Bobstead today. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. to the next time you're here. Thanks to both of you. And thank you uh, for listening today. Um, I don't know what we're doing tomorrow. What are we doing tomorrow, Ryan? Do we know? Kathleen tell you? Because she no, didn't tell me. Either. She didn't tell me. She's working hard coming up with the show. She must be doing something. Well, we'll be, we'll be here. You can pretty much count on that. Good Lord willing, the crick don't rise. We'll be here tomorrow, and uh, I'm sure we'll have all sorts of fascinating things to tell you about. In the meantime, for Jeff and for Lloyd and for Ryan and for Kathleen and the whole staff, please take care of each other. Mind how you go. Don't forget to stay tuned for Ask the Experts at 1230 with Bud Polehill, our automotive expert, and we'll see you tomorrow on the next edition of Talk of the Town, right here on 1290 CJBK.